I got a teach in me today, maybe more than a preach. But this fits Last Chance You so well, y'all. I mean, this fits this series, this idea of I got to make my own way. I got to figure it out. I thought I'd be farther along than what I really am. Because, and I want you to get this, because if you miss what I'm saying right now, the rest of the message is going to kind of be pointless. Most of us have the feeling in our lives, whether we were taught it by a church or not, it doesn't matter that churches probably, hopefully, don't teach this, but most of us have this American uh, government theology that exists that we've kind of talked about the last few weeks. That is, God plans to do things on American government terms. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? That if I can understand our Constitution... I can understand the kingdom of God. Now, listen to me. I don't think we should throw away the Constitution, and I love America. But you can memorize the Constitution and have no clue how to work the principles of God. Did you hear what I just said? So many of us are very educated people and know about God and even would say we have a relationship with God, but when we look at the things of God, we're frustrated because we say, ah, I did what Pastor so-and-so said. And I read my Bible, and I did these things, and it ain't working. And I'm stuck, and I feel frustrated. Now, I may be too honest. I don't know if that really can be the case, by the way, if you can be too honest, because it seems like you just be honest. But, but I am honesty probably to a fault by some people's standards for a pastor. I just tell whatever is on my heart, and it's the truth. But I'm telling you right now, God's unlocked some things in me in the message that I'm going to show you today that I ha I'm living proof that if you work the principle that God put on this earth and put in his word, if you work the principle, someone say work. work. If you work the principle, don't miss this. There's a big difference between try harder and do better and think happy thoughts and work a principle that God said there are two, that is a massive difference. The problem is we've prayed Americanized prayers and, and do not understand how God typically sends the answer most of the time. So we find ourselves stuck and frustrated. And I know I'm not the only one in here, but when I say this word, everybody that's a church person tends to do like this because they get scared. But everybody in here can tell me the truth. Have you ever prayed that God will give you more money? Yes. Well, praise the Lord, we got honesty in here. <laughs> Can I tell you, I don't believe that's bad. Here's what I believe is bad. When you're not ready for what God sends you, you get yourself into a problem. Because God may have put a dream in your life like he did me. And so we say, God, if you're going to accomplish that, and I know you accomplish it. I know you hold all things together. I know you're the God of the universe, so to you be the glory. That's awesome, whatever. So you're going to have to send some help. Show me the money. <laughs> And then it shows up and it's like, all right, now, now pay special attention to what I'm saying. That ain't what I thought it would look like. So I guess I got to make my own way. Now, 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 let's not take away from the fact that we believe God told us to do it. Right? God told me to do it. He's in it. Praise the Lord. And, and we'll even try to put a seal of approval named Jesus on it. Because, look, God, I'm working it for you. You're welcome. <laughs> Bam, right? Are y'all with me? I know you're not supposed to talk when I'm talking in this, but you are. <laughs> Staying silent. 
Can I tell you for most of my life, I'm 38, I would say for 35 years of my life, till God unlocked something in me, and I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching this today. I did not tell the first service this. I felt convicted by the Holy Spirit that this is a principle that many of you don't even understand. That has been there, by the way, the whole time, (laughs) because it's in the Word, but we tiptoe over it. Let me tell you why. Because some people abuse it, so we're afraid of it. And I'm going to tell you how people in my fraternity have abused it today. I'm going to teach you how people have abused it, but why that doesn't mean it's wrong, it just means they're wrong. Because at the moment that I think that I have to make my own way, here's ultimately what I've decided in my own heart. I trust Mark, but I want to put a Jesus sticker on it to make myself feel better. I trust that I can make my own way. I trust that I'll do it. I trust that it's all good. How do you know if I'm trying to make my own way in life? Everybody just pick your feet up where you are. Let me see it. It's about to get real, okay? (laughs) If when you're deciding whether or not you should take that job, the deciding factor is money, I've got to make my own way. You say, well, that's dumb, Pastor. You saying we shouldn't make money? No, of course not. I'm saying if that's the deciding factor, then I've decided I have to make my own way. And I've decided that income, because we're in America, right? Income is the number one most important thing. Now, I believe that you should be valued for what you do, and we show it through income. The Bible says that. We show it through income. I believe that's very important. But if I make the decision of what I'm supposed to do. So listen, if we were sitting around a table and we were all discussing jobs and Austin and Angela had job offers, you're not allowed to have a job offer, but if Austin and Angela had job offers, (laughs) we would say wisdom is Angela is an amazing nurse who is now a nurse manager over all nurses in a certain area, okay? She's, she's, She's in charge of them. And a hospital in Raleigh, North Carolina came up to her and said, we will put you as the CEO of this hospital. We would say, when we packing? Y'all with me? You're going to make, what, $350,000? When are we packing, girl? But what if that's not God's destiny for her life? We've strictly made decisions based on how cool a title sounds or money. But there's this tension where I know God said I was supposed to be, do. I feel it. Even if you don't know what it is, it's like a fire that's in your bones that you can't tell why it's in there. It's why you feel unsettled when you do what you do, but it feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But most likely it's because I've made a decision where I have to make my own way. Because bigger is better in our society. Listen to me. Bigger isn't always better. More importantly, bigger isn't always God. And that's the most important thing. Because if I assume that it must be more that God wants for me, then I need to look back on what I've done with a little bit. Because this is a principle. If you're faithful with a little, God will give you much. Much. So if I'm asking for much and I've not been faithful with a little, who do I think it's coming from? It must be man. It must be the world's currency. It must be that I think that I can work it hard enough and get there hard enough. And that is what most of us do. We sit around and we pray, God, I really want this job. God, I really want to get more. God, I really want to get more. And then we get more and we're like, all right, that's not enough still. I need to get more. 
Let me talk to 60-year-olds in here. That's why when you get more and get more and get more, you look at me and say, help me out of this mess. They want my more. And that's why people with very little can work it and understand. And so here's what I want you to know. We have to answer this question. Everybody say it out loud. Who do, I, who do we, who do you, who do I? Who do I trust? Because this isn't Sunday school where you have to answer Jesus. <laughs> we should be honest. Because Jesus may be the right answer, but he's not necessarily your answer today. How do you know that? By what comes out. Because if I can take away something from you right now, then he's not the source of your life. And you've not understood why he gave you what he gave you in the first place. And can I say this? I didn't either. I mean like memorized scripture in church, gone to church my whole life, knew all about how to teach it. I've never even understood how to unlock this principle in my life until recently. And by the way, it's insane what happens when you follow God's plan for your life. It's insane. Because, y'all, I don't have the nicest car in the whole world. I love my car. Shout out. I don't have the nicest car in the world. I don't have the nicest house. Y'all wouldn't look at my house and go, oh, my gosh, look how blessed. But it is a miracle, and it's amazing what God has done. Amazing. So I'm going to teach it to you today, and I'm going to have fun doing it. Luke chapter 12. Let me give you some background on what's taking place here. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, hanging out with some other people. And when the Pharisees and all the people are around, they would begin to pop off questions to them. They begin to pop off questions. This is a funny question if you're standing with the God of the universe who's in human form. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Why would you ask Jesus to do that? Right? Am I the only one that thinks this way when I read the Bible? Why can't you ask him, like, a good question? Why are you asking him to mess with, be, and Jesus said to him what I love so much. I love this. If y'all don't like sarcastic Jesus, you don't need to read the Bible. He said to him, hey, bro, who made me the arbitrator over you? Who made me the judge? In other words, what a stupid question, but he's nice. <laughs> Jesus is nicer than that, right? Do you know why you would ask the God of the universe this if you were standing in front of him? Because obviously they knew he was at least important and at least a teacher. He was at least a rabbi. Do you know why you'd ask a person of importance to this? Because that's the most important thing to you. It's pretty quiet in here. Is it Okay. Let me just sit here for one second, then I'll keep moving. In your prayer life with God, as big or small as it is, if God gave you everything on your prayer list right now, would it all affect you? Would it all benefit your family? Would it all benefit you, or would it change a society, a region, a country, a world? Because sometimes we need to thank God, that he doesn't give us what we've been deeply praying for if the only thing it'll do is change us. Because I'm here to tell y'all something from personal experience. It will change you. Look this way. If you get what you've been praying for and it's all about you, it will change you. But it ain't the way you think it will. It will ruin you. Because if you haven't been faithful with a little bit, then I pray to God I never get a bunch. So this is what Jesus said. He said, to them, take care and be on your guard against greed. 
He says covetousness, but a lot of translations say greed. This is the English standard. A lot of translations say greed. For one's life doesn't consist of abundance and, and possessions. Now, in this moment, did Jesus ever say it's bad to have abundance or possession? Say it again, everybody. No, it's not bad to have these things. But God's plan for your life is not that you'll have these and then that's it and sail off in the sunset. He said when you focus on these things, is a problem. Why? Let me show you what the Greek word means. The Greek word for this word, covetousness or greed, it, it, it translates or, or, or means the desire to want more. More, more, more. There's an unsatisfaction in my heart where I am. That does not mean that God didn't make you unsatisfied for where you're going and seeing what it could be. But if what you have, your stuff, you feel so much unsatisfaction that, God, if I could just get a little more, if I could just have a little more, if you would just bless me with a bigger, a nicer, or whatever. If you're praying that God will give you a $50,000 vehicle, listen to me. But your $5,000 vehicle is messy. Clean up your car. Did you hear what I said? Because you're going to mess up the $50,000 vehicle and be like, I thought I'd wash it. You ain't going to wash it. You'll wash it twice because it'll be brand new. It'll be nice. And all of a sudden you'll forget about it because then you'll have money and you'll think of it the same as others. It is not how much you have. It is how you do and what you do with what you've got because we don't understand how God operates. And then I thought this was the most important part of this. It's lusting for a great number of temporal things that are beyond what God determined is best for my life. I pray this prayer every day of my life. I don't want less or more I want exactly what you've destined me to have. I don't want less. I don't want to be poor on the street if you've called me to be in front. But I don't want to be in front until it's time, and I don't need more stuff. I need to be faithful with what I've got. So give me what I need to accomplish today. Today. Because I believe I'll be a man of means someday. But that is not my goal. I don't step out and go, I can't wait to be rich because I won't have any problems. Because if the rich people could, they would say amen right now. So listen, here's how the story continues. Then he tells a parable. Now, y'all need to know this about Jesus. Those, a lot of you do, but Jesus is funny because he tells stories. He doesn't answer your question with an answer. He answers your question with a story. Most of the time when he was talking to people, and this is what he said. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do with all my stuff? I have nowhere to put it. Look at all my bountiful harvest. Look at these amazing things. What shall I do with all my crops? So he said to himself, self, y'all say that. <laughs> he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all the grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I think this is a good part. He said to his soul, soul. That's funny. All right. <laughs> Nobody got it. He said to him, his soul, soul. You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. This is the American way. As a matter of fact, if you stopped reading right there, you would say, good job. You did good. You can retire. I'm proud of you. Are y'all with me? That's what, if y'all don't agree with that, then you're either lying or you ain't lived in this country for long, Right? Because that's what all of us have this goal of. I want to work a certain amount of time so that after I've worked that amount of time, I can quit. I can be done. I can feel good about myself. 
We tell our kids, go to college so you can make enough so you can chill. And then if you really make enough, you can get enough for them and they can chill. That's not good, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. So all of our mindsets are stuff. What we believe is God does come to bless us and not harm us. Praise God. That's awesome. So I just want to get so I can eat, drink, and be married. That's life. That's all really life is. Praise God. That's good. But the problem is Jesus is like, no, dog. Actually, he says, fool. <laughs> you can't say fool. I heard that it was a sin to say fool. Not in this case. Jesus said it. This night your soul is required of you and the thing that you have prepared, bigger barn, so I can hold all my stuff. This will be amazing. I just got to get more. Look at all that I've obtained. I got to get more. I got to be able to hold all of it. Like Scrooge McDuck with all his gold swimming through it. Y'all were thinking it. Don't lie, old people. And then he says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. Now, I need y'all to know that for one second, I'm not arguing that you shouldn't have a savings account. Not arguing that. I do not believe that's the point of this passage. I don't believe you shouldn't have a retirement plan. I don't believe that you should not have a... Um, a, a college fund and all these other things. But I do believe if you have no access or ability to do anything with what God's put into your hand, then you believe it all falls on you. I do believe that if God told you to give it all away and you refuse to do it because there's no way God would ever do that, you've made that your God. And you might as well build a shrine around it. I don't care if it's $20,000, $200,000, or $2 billion. Listen to me. A $2 billion person needs Jesus just as much as the $2 person does. Amen. And if you want to build a shrine for how much you've taken in, then you can. But one day your soul will be at stake. One day you'll stand before God. And if the only thing I did with what God put in my hands is how much can I obtain, I missed a principle that is so loud and so clear in the Bible, and it's probably because we saw it abused. But in order to live a free and awesome life in Christ, we got to learn how to work the principle. Someone say work the principle. We got to learn how to work them. We got to learn how to work the principles because they're in there for a reason. And we got to learn how to work these principles. And so it all comes down to trust, and you got to answer this question, who is responsible for my future? Mark Pangle today, your pastor right now, I'm not asking you to give one more dollar to this church. This is not about that. It is so much more important than that. I really do believe God will provide all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I just believe a lot of those needs are provided through you. But I'm not asking you for more money. I want to unlock something in you today that's been unlocked in me that was stuck for most of my life. So what is that? In Exodus chapter 16, I believe this principle that Jesus is teaching right here is seen the most clearly. And this is what it says in Exodus 16. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread. Now, why would he rain bread? Does anybody know why would he rain bread? Because they're hungry. They ain't eating. They're wandering through the wilderness and he said, okay, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather 
Hey, how much? A day's portion. Every day, every day, every single day, every day. That I may test them whether or not they will walk in my law or not. Now, we are not Israelites. We do not see bread literally rain from heaven. I think that'd be cool one time, and then that's probably enough. <laughs> but we do pray and sing, I might add. Shout out to the worship team. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. We know it, we sing it even in manifesto, we pray it, but we don't believe it. Some of you that are educated in the Bible and educated in theology even know that one of God's names, Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. So we believe that he's the provider, we believe there's a daily portion, we believe all those things, but what do we do when it hits our hands? Here was the instruction. Take in one day's amount. Now, I'm going to skip a lot of the verses because I don't have time to read them all. But y'all can go back and read them. They were to take one homer, that's a funny name for a, an amount of, of stuff. The, the basic purpose was you need to get the amount for you and the people in your family. If you got 15 people in your family, you're going to get 15 times what I'm going to get for just me. But here's something I found interesting as I was studying this week. The only thing they were called not to do is try to get too much for the next day. But it didn't say that if I don't eat it all today, I couldn't bake it. It just said I couldn't store it. It didn't say I couldn't use it. It said I couldn't store it up. Guess what happened? I think it's verse 20. It says that it turned to worms and maggots. Wouldn't that be nice to wake up in the morning, you go into your bread pantry, it's been raining bread from heaven, and grossness down in there. Who? Jesus, what happened? I told you not to take too much. What in the world does this have to do with this message? It has everything to do with it because it's our lives. It's the way we live our lives because when it rained bread from heaven, we are thinking sunbeam. Like it was big loaves coming out. I know that's what y'all are thinking. Don't lie. That's a big sunbeam loaves. It wasn't sourdough, y'all. Look what it was. It says, now the, the house of Israel called its name manna. By the way, this means what is it? Because they were looking at it going, what is it? Shannon remembers. <laughs> Shannon remembers. I know you remember. Shout out. Because they didn't understand what it was because they heard that it was going to be bread and it came in the form of, what's this word? What's this word? In other words, you got to do something with it when it falls because if you want to eat some bread, it's going to come down as seed. Now, it was ready to go seed. You just had to do a little something to it. I'm not going to teach you how to make bread today because that's on y'all. Y'all can figure it out. But it came down, and it had the taste of, of wafers made with honey. That sounds tasty to me. But if you ate the straight manna, it'd be like, ah, oh my gosh, I just ate sawdust. Why did I do that? <laughs> right? They weren't going around scooping it up like it was cotton candy. Because it came as seed. Because it came as seed. So I got a question for y'all. In your dream, with where you are in your life, with what God's put on you, I'll ask it this way. 
Why do we live like it all falls on us when we would say it's all Jesus? All to Jesus I surrender. And, and, and most of us would believe that. And yet when we leave, when it comes to what God puts in our lives, we believe it all falls on us. And if you want me to know how I know, let a little pressure come on you and we freak out. We cuss each other out in the parking lot. We cuss each other out on social media. Oh, to Jesus. I still surrender it, Jesus, but it's mine right now. Huh? Why are y'all quiet? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. And it's because we pray acorn tree or we pray oak tree prayers. Excuse me. We pray oak tree prayers. We pray these massive prayers, but it shows up in the form of an acorn. It shows up in seed. It shows up in seed. It shows up in seed. What you have in your barns today, and I know most of you do not have an actual barn. I'm talking about your wallet. I'm talking about your bank account. I'm talking about your possessions. I'm talking about all around you. What you have, what you have, what you have is seed. It is seed, whether you want it to be or not, and whether you know that you've watched them crazy cats on TV that say, if you sow this $100 seed into my ministry, I'll send you a piece of my hair, and it will triple in value. <laughs> huh? Y'all ain't ever watched TV? I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that. I have no idea what God's going to do with increasing your seed. Do you know why I don't know that? Because I'm not him. I don't get to decide that. Matter of fact, it nauseates me when people say, this right here is a hundredfold return on your seed. They don't freaking know that. It's a lie. But here's what I will tell you. When I look at my $10,000... As, oh my gosh, I've saved enough to have 10 G's and I can now go buy. It stops right there. But when I look at it and say, and I say, you gave me this. It doesn't matter if I stewarded it well, you gave it to me. What do you want to do with this money? Because I'm not believing God for a seed. I'm believing God for a forest. So what would you have me do with your money? What would you have me do with your time? What would you have me do with your resources? What would you have me do? In the last, I would say three years probably realistically, my mindset has changed completely. Where Because I used to just give a tithe, and it just, I didn't even think about it, y'all. I just said, we got a tithe. We got to give top 10. We're sinning if we don't give 10%. Leah will admit that this is true. We're sinning if we don't give 10%. Got to give 10%. We're bad if we don't. That's all I thought of, period. And then I was off scot-free. Are y'all with me? If you grew up in church, say yes. That's completely, I'm talking about 180 degrees changed in my life. And I just want to tell you a couple things this happened. Number one, three different times in the last three or four years, I'm glad you're in here because you can correct me if I'm wrong. God's asked us to clean out our entire bank account. Coupled with, now listen to what I'm saying because this is dumb. If you, if you live under the American economy and you hear what you're supposed to do, all the talk shows would have said we're morons as far as financial wisdom goes. Because <laughs> I kind of thought so too. We cleaned out our savings account and one time every dollar that we had. Say, why in the world would you do that? Because in the middle of praying and sometimes prayer and fasting, God would say to either us or it's always agreement with Leah and I. There's always been agreement. Clean it out. Now, 
The last time this happened, where we cleaned it all the way out, for some of y'all, this wouldn't be a significant amount of money, but for us, it was a lot. I could have easily purchased the car that I just purchased with some left over with the amount of money that we had saved up. Easily. And we were believing God was going to show us the piece of land we were supposed to have. We were, we were dreaming toward expansion. So in order to make that happen, in order to get $500,000 or a million dollars or whatever you need, what's it called? That money, right? You can say money. You need? You need money. So if I've got X number of dollars in the bank, then the logical thing would be, God, I will give my money if you're calling me, but I'm going to give it here. Y'all understand what I'm saying so far? I did not give it here. And I can't tell you the first second that God told me, I was like, yes, Lord, this is amazing. Woo! I said, who are you talking to? Are you sure? (laughs) All of it? It ended up being two different places. The majority of it was the five-point church who was building their building. And he said, Sow all your savings into them and sow the rest into a person. And then he reminded me of a principle that a mentor of mine teaches all the time and he lives by it. And I believed it, but I'm not sure I wanted to work the principle. Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's verse 8. What you make happen for others, I'll make happen for you. Take what I put in your hand and don't believe that that's all it's going to do. Okay, now I need y'all to keep in mind that Leah had quit her job making far more than I do at this church to come work for us. And we didn't even know she was going to work at the time. We thought she was going to just be a stay-at-home mom and volunteer. And now she started working part-time months later. But on paper, it did not work. It did not look like we could make it financially. And God's given me the ability now to look back on my life where that's happened multiple times. And I want y'all to know that I did not the next week get a check for double the amount because <laughs> that, that might happen. And praise God if it happens to you, but that has not happened to me. But can I tell you what has happened? Doors that I look at and go, how did those doors open for my future? How did I get aligned with those people? How in the world did all of a sudden we get a man who we've never met before offered to be our bank and open us up and, and, and offer us that land for more than half or less than half of what it's really worth. How do these things start taking place? Seed. Because God is faithful to do whatever he's called and destined for us to do, but most of the time the answer shows up in the form of a seed. And when we're not faithful with the little bit that God put in our hands, and to some of y'all, it would be so much, and to some of y'all, it would just be a tiny bit. But the deal is, most of you have got the answer to the prayer that you've been praying for generations, but it just showed up as an acorn and not a tree. And I learned something while I was in Israel that I thought was so fascinating. And the wisest man ever to live wrote this. And if you just read it when you're just, like if you just read through Ecclesiastes, you'd read this and go, That makes no sense. Cast your bread upon the waters for you will find it after many days. What in the world does that mean? Until 
until I learned that the bread that it's talking about is the seed. And here's what happens in Israel, y'all. It floods into the houses, especially, especially back in the days of Solomon and Jesus. These rivers would swell up after many days of rain, much like what's taking place in the lower state right now, they'd swell up. And so here's what they knew. Right now is bountiful season because it's rainy season. But I'm going to go toward a dry season in my life. Listen to me. You've got to work the system. You got to, or it's not the system. You've got to work the principle of God. So, so I'm not going to try to save all this and use it now. I'm not going to store it up for myself because I'm not staying here. I'm going somewhere else. So I'm going to throw it into this river. And the, literally, they would take their seed and they would just throw it into the river. And I found this out that they would move along the river. Most of these people were not staying still. They would move along the river. And guess what happened with the seed that they would throw into the river? When the, when the river reseeded, did you hear that word? I don't know if that's where the word comes from, but it makes sense to me. When it began to reseed the land, the ground that didn't have anything to, to have a harvest, all of a sudden had some seed to be planted. Because they weren't throwing the seed into their now. They were trusting God with their now and throwing their seed into their future. Most of us look at what we have now and say, I better store it up for my future. But if you're storing it up, your future is not secure in you. Your future is secure in Christ. And it's not that God needs you to do it. He trusted you with it. But you got to work it because you didn't make this up and I didn't make this up. How is it that the ground knows that if you reap, you sow, but we don't get it? I'm asking this question out loud, but I'm talking to myself. How is it that some people that are snake oil salesmen on TV make it look bad and all of a sudden it's not true? Just because someone's lying doesn't mean that's not true. But you can promise, you can take it to the bank, you will reap what you sow. How do you know that? Here's how Paul said it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, by the way, in your offering envelopes in front of you, verse 7. Because the reason I ask you the same question every week, ask God what he'd have you do, is because I believe in this principle, and I believe God's a whole lot better at telling you where your seed should go than Mark. But this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap. Huh. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an answer for what's going to happen when you put your seed into that ground, when you obey him and he says something that you don't understand, God, you said there would be trees, and if I give this, I don't see no trees. If you don't ever feel that way, I doubt God's ever talked to you about your money. Because I promise you, this is how it works. But this is what I came to settle in my own heart that I'm not the one who supplies the seed in the first place. I'm not responsible for the seed. I'm responsible for what happens when it hits my hand. So when I feel stuck thinking that I need to get my own way, here's what I'm actually saying. I'm the Lord of the seed. I guess you can help me make it grow. No, no, no. Mark, all that I'm asking you to do is be faithful with what I put in your hand. This has literally changed my life, y'all. I'm talking about, I look at it totally different. You know what I pray now? God, I believe I'll be faithful with more because I have been faithful with this. So give me what I can be faithful with. Give me today's. And 
And I really believe I can be faithful with a little bit more. But I don't, I don't have a prayer of, God, I want to be a millionaire or a billionaire. I just want to be faithful with what you put in my hand so that we can see the kingdom of God take place. Listen, listen, listen. The reason we don't isn't because we don't have. It's because we don't understand how to do. It's as, it's as simple as this. I cannot tell you where to sow your seed. I can tell you the principle. The first says, if this is your church, you should give your first fruits to the church. But after that, I don't think it should always be to our church because I don't think God would call you every single time to give to this house. I think there's many places where he wants to invest in seed. But if you never do, then I can promise you, you've made up your mind it falls on you. And you think to yourself, I can make this happen. I can work it for my good. The only thing I want to work is the principle of God in this passage. I don't want to work it for my good because I will never end up in the good. Look at this. He supplies seed for the sower and bread for food, and he will, watch this, supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest. He will, he will, he will. I don't have to. Y'all, there's doors that have opened up in my life where I just look and say, how did this happen? And God's showing me today, Mark, stop being so thick-headed. You've just been faithful. You're not a super Christian. You jack, you're jacked up and do stuff all the time. You mess up all the time. It's not about never messing up. It's about just being faithful with what I put in your hand. My destiny's not your destiny. You're not supposed to be a pastor. Some of you, maybe you are. But, but, but whatever it is in your life, if you want to see it happen, don't try to force it. Be faithful. But don't get frustrated and say, this is my last chance. I've got to make it happen. If you haven't been faithful with today. So let me leave it with this. I want this to be encouragement before we have a time of worship. Most of us in our lives, look at me this way. Most of us in our lives might even say we believe this principle is true. If I plant an apple, I'm going to get an apple tree, right? If I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get an apple tree. And I know this principle is true. But I planted something a long time ago, and I've never seen it happen. I can't tell you how long it has to stay in the ground. And for some things, it takes longer to stay in the ground, and I don't understand. But I promise you, if you'll stay with it, here's how Paul said it. I planted it, and Apollos watered it, but God brought the increase. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. I just know most people give up. And I came to tell you today, don't give up. But get something in the ground. Figuratively speaking, get something in the ground. Because I believe every one of you, God's called you to do something with what he's put in your hand, with what he's put in your life. And if you don't start working the reap and sow, then you'll look back on your life and say, I got a lot, but it's turned into maggots. It's turned into dust and rust. I'm miserable and I'm having to manage what God called me to steward. May it never be. So God, everything we have is yours. And we believe, I just believe God, I just wanna pray and speak this over our awesome church and our people that you've called every one of us that know you as Savior and Lord, every single one of us to something more than we currently see. 
but we can rest assured that you love us enough as a gentleman not to put more seed in our hand if we haven't been faithful with a little bit that you've put in there. God, may we not be the rich fool in Luke chapter 12 that looks and says, look all that I've done. I've done good. I'm going to put my feet up and rest. May we just be obedient to what you call us to do with the money that you sent and see you work it for our good in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Y'all stand and sing with us.